Do you know that from your position, you can change a situation? Do you also know that you are the master over the created world and that you are meant to rule over everything God has made? Listen carefully to Pastor Shegun Obaji as he brings to you with simplicity and clarity the message of the new creation realities in Christ Jesus. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're welcome to Bible study. I know you've been waiting to receive the word of the Lord and God's word is coming your way today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome all our online viewers from all across the globe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're welcome. Your life is about to move and shift forward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have a word of prayer as we get into God's word. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the entrance of your word gives light and understanding to the simple. We are simple, humble, meek. We humble ourselves before you today to receive your word, that incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. We receive today by faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we thank you for the miracles and the blessings of your word abounding in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Amen. All right. Once again, you're welcome in the name of Jesus. This month is a special month for us. It is our month of blessings of righteousness. Blessings of righteousness. Glory to God. And we have been able to um, define, according to God's word, what righteousness is. Um, righteousness, according to the word of God, is not what you may call it or think for it, um, or for think, think it to be, rather. All right, righteousness is actually what the Bible says it is. Praise God. Righteousness is defined by the word of God. It is not defined by culture. It is not defined by our environment. Righteousness is defined by the word of the living God. Amen. So let me quickly um, refresh your mind on the subject of righteousness. Romans chapter number 4, very quickly. And we start the reading here from verse 1. Romans chapter number 4 and verse 1. It says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, had found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he had whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that walketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that walketh not, but believeth on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the righteous, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Glory to God. All right. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Now, righteousness here, clearly defined from God's word, is first and foremost forgiveness of sins. All right. And then number two, righteousness here is um, remission of sins. Okay. And then number three, righteousness here is justification from sin and all its consequences. Okay? And then fourthly, righteousness is new creation, recreation. All right? The fuller picture of this is found in Psalm 32. If you start reading from verse 1, the first two verses, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Okay? So, it tells us here that righteousness is primarily four things. Number one, forgiveness of sins. Number two, 
remission of sins. Number three, uh, justification from sin and all its consequences. And number four, new creation or recreation. Glory to God. Now, under the law, under the old covenant, their sins were covered under the blood of animals because the blood of animals could not remit their sins. Okay? The soul of man is worth much more than the souls of animals. All right? So the life of man is higher in power and authority than the life of animals. So the blood of animals could not remit their sins. It was a temporary measure to cover their sins until the time appointed that the seed of Abraham would come, meaning Jesus Christ would die for the sins of the world and he would shed his blood. Now that blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, is the only thing that can truly remit sin. Glory to God. That was why they had to do those sacrifices over and over and over again yearly. Okay? So righteousness here simply means the free gift that God gives you on account of faith that says that your sins have been forgiven, that says to you that your sins have been remitted, washed away, cancelled, blotted out. Okay? And then it justifies you from sin and its consequences, the right that sin has to hold you bound, all right, to hold you guilty or condemned, okay? And then it is the gift that God gives you that imparts righteousness to you. That means you become the righteousness of God. This was what we looked at um, last week, um, Wednesday, at Bible study. Now, righteousness here, meaning that God has imparted to you his nature of righteousness. All right. So let's take this um, a step further uh, by breaking it down. I want to look at the ABC of righteousness. Glory to God. The ABC of righteousness. So let's trace righteousness from the book of Genesis to when God justified Abraham and to us in Christ. All right. Now, in Genesis chapter number 1 and verse 26, the Bible declared his plan and purpose for the creation of man. He said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Okay? So God had it in mind to make man in his own image and after his likeness. And he did exactly that. The Bible tells us in verse 27, the next verse, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So God created man in his own image. Now we understand that the image of God here is actually the glory of God. It is the character of God. It is who God is essentially. Who God is in essence. That's what the image of God is. Praise God. You remember in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible speaks of Jesus being the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. Okay? Now you see the word glory there. Brightness, effulgence, outshining of God's glory. And the express image of his person. Okay? So the image of God is the glory of God. The glory of God here is actually the character of God, the outshining of who God is. Praise God. That's what the image of God is. God is righteous by nature. God is righteous by nature. By nature, God is righteous. See? So, God made man righteous. He made man righteous. That's it. He made man in his own image and after our likeness. Now, God is called the Lord our righteousness. He is our righteousness. He is righteous by nature. That's who he is. See? So, when God made man in his own image, he actually made man righteous. The first man God made, we understand, was Adam. Adam was made in the image of God and after God's likeness. Okay? Now, Adam was made righteous. That means 
Adam was made to stand before God without any sense of inferiority, without any sense of guilt, without any sense of condemnation, without any sense of unworthiness, without any sense of insufficiency. Adam was made perfect in the righteousness of God. So he was made in the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. Now, there are a couple of um, occasions here to show that Adam was actually righteous. There was no sense of unworthiness in him when he was made. He could interact with God without feeling, you know, um, unworthy or feeling not good enough. Praise God. All right. In Genesis chapter 2, from verse 19. Now, when God was done uh, creating all the animals... The Bible tells us that he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Can you imagine? All the animals, he just brought them to Adam. He says, okay, now call them whatever you so desire. And so be it. Their names will be whatever you proclaim them to be. Praise God. I mean, that's righteousness. So he began to name all the animals one after the other. He didn't cry out, oh Lord God, I'm not sufficient. How shall I be able to do this? (laughs) He was sufficient in God's sufficiency. He was capable in God's capability. He was able in God's ability. He was clothed with God's glory. Amen? He was as righteous as God. So he didn't feel any form of unrighteousness, unworthiness. And Adam named all the living creatures. All of them. Praise God. All of them. And then again, the Bible tells us, still in Genesis chapter number 2, when God said to himself, look, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make for him a help good for him, suitable for him. And the Bible tells us that God caused the man to have a deep sleep. Amen? And then he operated on him, took one of his ribs, formed the woman, brought the woman to the man. And then Adam looked at him, I mean looked at her. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now there was no sense of unworthiness in any form. Amen? You know, um, naturally speaking, Adam could have looked at God to say, uh, can you please tell me who this person is? No. He just believed that he could know who she was. Why? Because of that sense of sufficiency that was in him. He was sufficient in the glory of God. The Bible says, he looked at her, And then said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, there was no sense, where there was no place where we saw that Adam ever prayed. He didn't even pray before the fall. There was was no prayer. Alright, does not mean prayer is wrong. Understand what I'm saying here. But the point here is this. Look, Adam didn't pray. Because there was nothing to pray for. He felt sufficient. It was God that said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make for him a help. Adam didn't go to God. It was, you know, the woman didn't come as a result of, you know, Adam's prayer. She was not an answer to Adam's prayer. Amen? Glory to God. See? So he was sufficient in God. He was able in God. Amen? There was no sense of insufficiency in him. But after the fall, what happened? In Genesis chapter 3, if we start reading here from verse 6. In the temptation, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Verse 7. Look at what happened. And the eyes of them both were 
opened and they knew that they were naked and sewed they sewed fig, fig leaves to cover themselves and made themselves aprons see and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves okay the first time they're hiding themselves from God they had always lived in the presence of God now the voice of God could not be tolerated. They couldn't bear it. So they hid themselves. Number one, they were afraid. If you read on, it says, and Adam and he hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and among the trees of the garden. Okay? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. Fear. Where did fear come from? Amen. Unrighteousness. Something had changed in him. Amen. Unrighteousness. They became afraid. Number one. Number two. They became ashamed. Alright. They were ashamed of themselves. Okay. Shame is a product of unrighteousness. Shame is born out of the feeling of inconsistency even if you make mistakes all right just correct it you don't have to be ashamed shame is shame is a is a child of unrighteousness shame is the reason why people are incapacitated and they don't want to fulfill their destiny not because they don't have what it takes but because they just cannot bear that shame they are afraid they are ashamed. People's opinions rule them. Now, when you are always dancing and playing and moving and doing everything to the gallery, all right, that is a sense of unrighteousness. That means you're trying to get your worthiness and sufficiency from people, how they feel about you, all right, what they are saying about you, their accolades. They are showering on you. That is what gets you going. The moment that stops, you can't move any further. Why? Because your right standing and sufficiency and competence depends on them. See? They were ashamed. So fear came in. Shame came in. They were ashamed. They started covering their nakedness. Shame. You see it? And they also lost the sense of wisdom. The man who named all the animals couldn't even think to say, look, fig leaves won't do it. <laughs> Alright? Animal skin should do it. True? He became daft. He couldn't see through situations anymore. That ability to think through things. Alright? To see how to meet needs effectively was lost. Did you see that? So, number one, look at it. I want you to go back, please go back to verse 6. Thank you. Verse 6, please. Okay? Alright, verse 7. Verse 7, thank you. Go to verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They knew. Alright? So, something was awakened in them from unrighteousness. It's called sense knowledge. Now, don't forget Genesis chapter 2, the last verse. Genesis chapter 2, the last verse tells us, And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now, the Bible does not tell us that they didn't know that they were naked. They knew that they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Now, because that knowledge of nakedness didn't rule them. Alright? In life, you're bound to make mistakes. Alright? Even if you were born perfect, keep living. you make mistakes in this world. Amen? Alright? The man that was born complete, Adam, alright, created, complete, perfect, fell. Amen? <laughs> he fell woefully. So, but listen very carefully. 
the knowledge of the mistakes you've made in the past, what does, what does it leave you with? Does it leave you with the consciousness of, I can do it better, or, ah, I'm ashamed of myself. I can't try it again. Maybe it's not meant for me. Maybe I'm, I'm not cut out for this. See? So you see how knowledge can be controlled and knowledge can control. Knowledge can be tamed and knowledge can tame. There was a higher knowledge by which they operated. They operated in the knowledge of the glory of God. They knew that they were naked, but they were not ashamed. The Bible tells us that they were naked. And they were both naked. The both of them were naked. The man and his wife. And they were not ashamed. Alright? So why were they not ashamed? Because they didn't know that they were naked? No. Because they knew that the glory of God was their covering. That knowledge was stronger than the knowledge of their nakedness. Did you see that? Sometimes in our world today, we want everything to be perfect. We want people to speak in a perfect way. You know, everything must be perfect because we are used to movies that have been edited over and over and over again. And those people don't speak like that in real life. Everything is edited and perfect. So we are used to perfect things, fast food, microwave, do it fast, give it to me fast, give it to me now. We are used to pushing people, you know, to make things happen within a very short period of time. Deadlines, deliveries, deliverables. We're in a world of, that is driven by productivity. Alright? If you are not rooted in the sense of righteousness, you feel like a misfit in this world. Because when you fall short of their standard, you feel terrible. You feel unworthy, not good enough. See? So they knew that they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Look at what the Bible says. And they, and they were both naked, the man and his wife. Alright? If the Bible stopped at that point we could say that they didn't know that they were naked he says and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed (laughs) did you see that that means they saw themselves they knew they were naked all right but there was a higher knowledge that ruled their consciousness praise god so they were not ashamed you see that now, go to Genesis chapter number 3. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig, fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. See that? In other words, their eyes were opened, and there was this knowledge that ruled them. They knew that they were naked. The moment they knew that they were naked, all right, and that consciousness ruled them, that higher knowledge that was filling their consciousness had ceased. So, they were ashamed. And note what happens here. Verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from what? From the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That means they felt unworthy in the presence of God. They felt not good enough. They felt condemned. Insufficient. Did you see that? Okay. So you see, something had happened. Alright? They had lost the consciousness of righteousness. They had lost that righteousness that God had given to them. By nature. See? Now, the fact that after Adam, everyone who ever walked with God was actually in search of this righteousness 
is proof that Adam had lost it. If you study the book of Genesis chapter number 4, we saw the sons of Adam, Cain and Abel. The Bible tells us in verse 4, let's start from verse 3 please. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the fostlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Amen. You see, God had respect. Come on, say respect. All right. God had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Verse 5, please. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. Did you see that? So, what is this respect all about? Can you show it to us? Do you have the NIV translation right there? Okay. Do you have it? Or, or you can do amplified. Um, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Did you see that? He looked with favor. All right, that's acceptance, isn't it? Okay. But Abel, okay, go, go to verse 5 now, please. Thank you. And Abel, verse 5, 5. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. That's amplified. Can you, can, let's look at that in NIV. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Amen. Now for God to create all the animals in the animal kingdom and then bring it to one man to see the name that he would call them. <laughs> you, don't, you don't call that disfavor. He had favor before God. That's, that's coming into partnership with God in creation. I create, you name it. The power of nomenclature. The power to name things was given to Adam. Did you see that? That's favor. Look at the amplified version. Alright. Verse 4 please. And Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of the fat portions. And the Lord had respect and regard for Abel and for his offering. Respect and regard. Did you see that? Okay. Now, the New Testament gives us a very, very clear picture of this particular account. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. So that regard, that respect, that acceptance that he had with God, the Bible calls it what? Righteousness. Is there? <laughs> by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Is it? So, by that act of faith in honoring God, Abel received a witness from God that he was righteous. Man. So all his life he had been looking for righteousness. An opportunity to be right with God. An opportunity to be in God's good book. And the revelation came. That is an offering. Cain caught the revelation. Abel caught the revelation. But you see, Abel did his with a lot of honor. He brought the firstborn. Firstlings. Amen. And the fats. Cain just did his, anyhow. So, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. He was more excellent in that he did it by faith, honoring God. Hallelujah. And God says, by that act of faith in honoring me, I witness to it that you're righteous. Before the man could start using his righteousness... In fellowship with God, his brother had killed him. 
Cain murdered him. Praise God. So he was a righteous man who had witnessed from God that he was righteous, but never used his righteousness here in time because his brother, his own brother, murdered him. See? So, the Bible tells us that that generation went away. And there was another righteous person that was born. His name is Seth. Praise God. Seth was born. And then Seth gave birth to Enosh. And at the time that Enosh was born, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, before men began to call upon the name of the Lord, they had established a system of righteousness. Can we say that together? Say a system of righteousness. A system of righteousness had been established that before a man can come before God to say anything to him, he must first and foremost offer a sacrifice. That means there must be a sacrifice because the man that was declared righteous, the first man declared righteous, all right, after the fall was Abel. And his righteousness came by faith. He offered sacrifices unto God. Amen? So a system of righteousness was established. Praise God. Okay? And then you move on, you go to Enoch. Enoch... In Genesis chapter 5 and verse 24, the Bible tells us that Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. In other words, Enoch, when he was 65 years old, began walking with God and he walked with God for 300 years and was not, for God took him. Now, how did Enoch walk with God? Enoch walked with God by faith. What do you mean by faith? By honoring God. How? Sacrifices. The system had been established. He would honor God. He would bring, you know, the fossilings of his flock, the fat, and honor God and bond them to God. So the order and system of righteousness had been established. That through honor unto God, righteousness is conferred on man. Amen. Established. So... The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Now watch this. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he what? Pleased God. What, what is that testimony? He had this testimony that he pleased God. He was righteous. Acceptance with God. Favor with God. Pleasure with God. Amen? Come on now. Amen? Amen? That's righteousness. God testified to it, you pleased me. And then he was caught up. Did you see that? He was caught up. God took him. If you read on Noah, Noah, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, Hebrews 11 and verse 7, the Bible tells us, by faith, look at it again, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So he inherited the righteousness of faith. Did you see that? So you see, after Adam... Abel was looking for it. He got it, couldn't use it, died. Because his brother Cain murdered him. Enoch was looking for it at 65. He began walking with God, walked with God for 300 years, and was not for God took him. Before his translation, he had a testimony, a witness, that he had pleased God. He was righteous. He was looking for that righteousness. Amen? Noah was looking for that righteousness. God warned him, prepare an ark to save your family. I'm going to destroy the world. And he did just that. He moved with godly fear. He, had, he found favor before God. See? He was accepted before God. Amen? And he became the heir of the righteousness of faith. 
You see? And then you move on, you get to Abraham. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 12, in verse 1, the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your people, from your father's house, unto a land that I will show you. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Alright? And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that cursed thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed. So Abraham departed in faith. He obeyed God. Now, watch the trend here. Everyone who was declared righteous by God had done it in faith had walked with God by faith honoring God obeying God and then God bore witness to the fact that they were righteous everyone so Abraham departed and then you go on in verse in chapter 15 we started reading from verse 5 genesis chapter number 15 and verse 5 god brought abraham forth abroad and said look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you'll be able to number them and he said unto him so shall thy seed be so god said to abraham look up so shall thy seed be amen look at abraham's response and he believed in the lord And he, the Lord, counted it unto him for what? Righteousness. See righteousness here again. Alright, righteousness is actually a gift that comes to us by reason of honoring God. Righteousness is a gift that comes by faith. Faith honors God. (laughs) He believed in the Lord. And the Lord counted it unto him for what? Righteousness. You see, if you go on and on and on and on and on, this was what they were looking for. Every man who ever lived, who was conscious of God, wanted to be right with God. Amen? It was a gift that they were looking for. Looking for. The oldest book of the Bible is Job. The book of Job, not Genesis. Amen? Job was crying out for this righteousness. He wanted to be righteous. He was looking out to God for righteousness. 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 Praise God. Now, let let me show that to you very quickly. In Job chapter number 33. Job 33. Thank you, Lord. Let's start the reading here. From verse 23 to 26. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand to show unto man his uprightness, then he is gracious unto him and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit and found a ransom. His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. Hallelujah. He shall pray unto God and he will be favorable unto him. He shall see his face with joy. For he will render unto man his righteousness. Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) This was it. Now, in history from Abel. Alright. To Job. In fact, from Abel to... um, Abel to Enoch, to Noah, alright, now let me jump to Abraham, okay, and let me jump to Job, praise God, (laughs) amen, and then to Israel, there was one thing that everybody was looking for, righteousness with God. Righteousness. Amen. Did you see that? Righteousness. And what is the system of righteousness established? A ransom must be there. Without a ransom, you can't be righteous. He has found a ransom for his soul. Ransom. That means there must be a sacrifice. 
<laughs> Without a sacrifice, the system of righteousness cannot work in one's favor. Praise God. You now understand why Jesus died. He's our sacrifice. You see it? So the system of righteousness was established here. Listen, this is it. In fact, it was established in the Garden of Eden after the fall. Alright? But it wasn't clear there. It was not clear. But we can infer from what God did. He killed an animal and he took the skin, the leather, alright, and covered the nakedness of Adam and Eve. That animal was a substitute for them. Did you see that? So he had to shed the blood of the animal. So there was a spilling of blood. Did you see it? And then they were covered. But it was clear with Abel because God said it with his mouth. I have respect for you and for your offering. Respect, favor. I have given you acceptance with me. Amen. Righteousness. Now, we're not told much about Enoch's life. We just read. Just his life was summarized, his walk with God was summarized in one verse. And Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. So how did he walk with God? We're not told. It was by faith. Yeah, but what did he do in faith? In faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. Than, so it's not like in faith, you just say, I believe. I believe. In faith, there's always a revelation, a word that you're acting on. See? In faith, all right, Enoch walked with God. In faith, Noah built an ark. In faith, Abraham left his country to a place that God would show him. In faith. You see it? Glory to God. Okay. Now, everyone who ever was righteous according to God's standard was conferred Righteousness was conferred or declared rather, declared righteous by God. Righteousness was conferred on him, on her, by God himself. Did you see that? So that means everyone who at any time was righteous before God, it was God himself that declared the person righteous. Amen? Okay. God declared Abel righteous. He declared Enoch righteous. God declared Noah righteous. So there's another order established here before the law. That righteousness comes to us by faith and righteousness is given by God. Righteousness is not what you earn. You cannot get it all by yourself. God gives it. Did you see that? And the process of God conferring righteousness on us is a process of honoring God by our faith. Praise God. If the court, no matter what you have to say, if the court, the judge in the court forbids you, from saying anything. That means there's no hearing. The court will not hear you. You may be making noise and all that. It will not count. The right to say something in the court is given to you. Amen. It's given. Righteousness is given. That system is established. All right. There must be a ransom for your soul. All right. Faith is involved. You must honor God. All right. And then God confers it established before the law now if we look through the word of god we would find here two types of righteousness 
there's a righteousness by works, and then there's a righteousness by faith. There's a righteousness that people sees by themselves, and there's a righteousness that God gives. See? So, in Deuteronomy, for example, chapter number 6, Let's read verse 24. Now, Moses was speaking to the children of Israel. Look at it. It says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our own good always, that he might preserve our lives, all right, or preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness. Now, what shall be our righteousness? If we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he had commanded us. Now, he saying, he didn't say, and it shall be his righteousness given to us. He says, it shall be our righteousness. So, you see the righteousness of man here, which comes as a result of observing the law under the old covenant. Moses describes this righteousness as if we observe all these commandments, okay, all, all, go back, go to verse 25, please, all, if we observe all the commandments, to do all these commandments before the Lord our God, as he commanded us, all right, it shall be our righteousness. So this righteousness is a righteousness that comes as a result of doing something. It is self-righteousness. It is righteousness, but it's not sufficient. It's unacceptable before God. So Moses calls this righteousness their righteousness. Did you see that? And then in Deuteronomy chapter number 9... Deuteronomy chapter 9, if you start reading from verse 4, God was saying to them, look up please, this is very important. He says, speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God had cast the Canaanites out from before thee, saying, for my righteousness, the Lord had brought me into possession of this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before you. Did you see that? Not for your righteousness. So that means, listen very carefully, that righteousness, their own righteousness, that is in observing all that the Lord had commanded them, was not enough to bring them into the land. It is the righteousness that possesses a man but hinders the man from possessing his inheritance. Okay? Because it's self-righteousness. It brings pride. It includes boasting. Are you what I'm saying here? Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God had cast them out before thee, saying, for my righteousness... Where where, where, where did we stop? Okay? Verse 5, please. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart doth thou go to possess their land. <laughs> so that means with this kind of self-righteousness, you cannot possess anything that God has prepared for you. No. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thy face, that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That means God was demonstrating his righteousness. The righteousness of God is God's faithfulness to perform his word. He said, look, I'm not doing this because of your self-righteousness. I'm doing it because of my own righteousness. I made a promise to Abraham. I made a promise to Isaac. I made a promise to Jacob, and I am fulfilling that promise as a righteous one, a faithful one, not because of your own righteousness. Did you see that? Come on now. Did you see that? So that means the righteousness of man, when held on to, hinders God 
from, from performing his word in your life. You see, the righteousness of God will not work in your life when you hold on to self-righteousness. And that's why you see, you see sometimes you hear people say, this, this world is not fair. It's, it's not a just world. It's not a fair world. Amen. People who are unlikely, <laughs> the unlikely ones are making it. The likely ones are nowhere to be found. Amen. Amen. Servants are riding on horses. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Princes, they are trekking on their feet. <laughs> Why? Because if a prince in Christ holds on to his self-righteousness, a servant will take his place. That's not God's will for you. Self-righteousness will hinder the oppression of the righteousness of God in your life. Don't let it happen. Amen? I said amen. amen. Having done whatever God has called you to do, you say, Father, I thank you for the privilege to serve your will. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now understand that you are my righteousness. You are my ability to reach my God-given goal. You are my ability to be all that you've created me to be. You are my ability to forge ahead and fulfill my God-given destiny. Amen? Because this righteousness operates by the law of faith. It excludes boasting. Anytime a man is bragging on himself, the righteousness of God ceases to work for him. Because the two cannot work at the same time. Righteousness shall go before him his righteousness, and shall set us in the way of his steps. See? Praise God. Praise God. So there is righteousness by work, self-righteousness, and then there is a righteousness by faith. The righteousness by faith. How come the beautiful ones don't find husbands to marry? And you see the ones that they call ugly. They are the ones that will get the, the best men. Because, you see, anytime you think you have a right to something, all right, God will see to it that you don't have a right to it. But the moment <laughs> you hold God as your right to your inheritance, you will get it. He's your right to prosper. Amen. He's your right not to be afraid. <laughs> He's your right. <laughs> Amen. God gives rights. And those rights are held by faith in honor of God. You don't seize it to yourself as your own. Okay? He gives it. Now look at look at um, Psalm forty four and verse three. <laughs> Amen. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, <laughs> neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. You've had favor unto them. All right. You see, one of the manifestations of righteousness is favor. When you bask in the righteousness of God and you rely on it, you'll be favored. There'll be a glow around your life. A favor of God. Praise God. See it? Favor. All right. So come to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We've just established this. We've done something today. Amen. Okay. Deuteronomy chapter number 30 and verse 11. Quickly. For this commandment which I commanded this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is, is it far off. Now note what it says here. 
It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Now, note what he says here, that we may hear it and do it. That we may hear it and do it. Verse 14. Next verse, please. Okay. Where did we stop? Okay, 13. Now go, go to verse 14 now. Thank you. But the word is near you, very near unto you, in thy mouth and in thine heart, that thou mayest do it. Okay? That you may hear it and do it, that thou mayest do it. Now, in um, Romans chapter number 10, when Paul was referring to this particular scripture, he used it differently. The style and mode of application of the word of God when it comes to the new covenant is different. The principle is still the same, but the application is different. Now, I I want you to see this. Okay? Let's start from verse 4, please. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. For Moses, now look at it. Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law. That the man which, come on now, doeth those things shall live by them. Okay? But the righteousness, but, but, but. So that means they were doing those things to earn life. Amen? They were doing it to end life. They were doing it so they could find rightness before God. And God says, no. That's not the way to find rightness before me. It was their righteousness, righteousness, not God's. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in your heart. Okay? Who shall ascend into heaven. Now, this was what um, Moses was saying in Deuteronomy chapter number 30 that we just read. Okay? Now, in obeying the law, he says, do not say in your heart. Okay? Who is going to go up to bring the word to us? Or go deep down into the earth to bring it up to us? He says, the word is near you. Okay? Even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that you may hear it and do it. But in the application of that same scripture, same principle, but the application is different, Paul, by the Holy Ghost here, applying it in a New Testament way. He says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, do not say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above. Now he uses Christ. Alright, under the law, he uses the law. Here, he uses Christ. Same principle. But the application is different. All right, They applied the law of righteousness under the law in the light of the law. We apply the law of righteousness under Christ in the light of Christ. Did you see that? So the substance of their righteousness was the law. The substance of our righteousness is Christ. Now, go go over it again. You have to get this. You have to get this. And I'll I'll stop here. Deuteronomy 30, please. Quickly. For this commandment. Come on, say this commandment. This commandment which I commanded this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It It is not it. It is an it. We are dealing with a... He. Amen. (laughs) For this commandment, verse 11 again, please. Okay. Which I commanded this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. Verse 12, look at it. It is not in heaven, it, that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? It. Go on. Neither is it beyond the sea that we should that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. It. 
Come and say eat. Alright. Now, Romans chapter number 10 and verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Do not say in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring it down from above? No. Christ. Okay. Christ. Down from above. You see the application of that? Same principle. Heaven is heaven. There is heaven here. Deep within the earth is deep. You see, it's same. All right, but the application is different. <laughs> that is to bring Christ down from above. Verse 7. Quickly. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does he say? He see, uses the word. The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart, that you may do it. No, he didn't say that. That you may what? You may what? Read on. <laughs> verse 8. Go back to verse 8. <laughs> but what does it say? The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. That's the word of faith. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. That means the moment you have things before you, you have standards before you, and not Christ. You will fail again and again and again. As many times as possible. But the moment Christ is before you, you will keep those standards, you will surpass them. Does not mean a man in Christ is lawless. No. But you see, a man in Christ has the ability to live lawfully. Amen. Not under the law, but under Christ. And he has that ability coming from Christ to live according to God's standard. Did you see that? It is not an it that he is considering. He is an he. A he. Christ. Did you see that? Come on now. Did you see that? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, he says, thou shalt be saved. Alright, now he now tells us, for with the heart man believes unto, come on now, unto, come on now, unto, but Moses told them, if you observe to do all that the Lord has commanded you, all these commandments, it is your righteousness. He calls it their righteousness. But our righteousness is believed unto. Does that mean we don't do anything? We do things by faith. Faith in him. Abel had faith in him, in Jehovah. Did you see that? Enoch had faith in him, Jehovah. Noah had faith in him. Not in it. Abraham had faith in him. He believed in the Lord. And he, the Lord, counted it unto him for righteousness. We have faith in him. Faith in him, in Christ. Did you see that? <laughs> Glory to God. All that they did, they didn't do in their own strength. They did what Jehovah said to do. And in absolute faith in Jehovah, they carried out those instructions. Did you see that? Abel offered. Enoch walked. Noah built an ark. Abraham departed from his country. <laughs> Did you see it? By faith. By faith. I can do all things. So we do. Through Christ who strengthens me. So you see Christ is our strength. Hallelujah. He's our ability. Amen. Father, thank you. Lift up your hands and give God praise. Thank you. What you said before you, 
Christ or a standard that you have set for yourself. If Christ is not your standard, whatever righteousness you are trying to attain unto has fallen short already. Christ is the standard of righteousness. He is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. When you come to him and he becomes your focus for life, you have arrived. That is righteousness. And you keep your gaze on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You put your gaze, keep that gaze on him. He's your ability to please God. He's your ability to walk with God. He's your ability to fulfill your God-given destiny. He's your ability. Amen. There's somebody there listening to me right now as I close. You've done everything possible to make a difference in your career, to make a difference in your life, but all to no avail. The Lord said to say to you, listen very carefully, there's one thing that is needful. One thing remains. Just one thing. You remember that young rich ruler who had so much money and he came to Jesus. He had obeyed all the laws. He wanted to inherit eternal life. And Jesus said to him, one thing remains. Go and sell everything that you have. Give the money to the poor and come and follow me. He was establishing just one thing. All right, now trust in me and you have eternal life. The man couldn't trust in him. He went home sad because he had much good. Great possessions. Praise God. Back to that beloved one. It's time to surrender all and say, Lord, yes, I've done my part, but I trust you. I've done the needful. But I don't rely on those things. I trust in you absolutely. That is it. At that point, that's, that's the point where people record breakthroughs. Amen? Massive breakthroughs. Your design is perfect. You have an uncle upstairs. <laughs> they have told you they'll give you the job. You rely on that. Eventually, you didn't get the job. <laughs> and you are complaining. They disappointed you. No, they didn't disappoint you. They didn't have the capacity to appoint you to start with. Amen? Praise God. Oh dear, thank you Lord. This is a tremendous truth that we just heard. Give thanks to God for it. <laughs> Say, Father, thank you. <laughs> thank you. In Jesus' name. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah.